He is King of Kings and He is Lord of Lords. Well, welcome everybody in the house of the Lord. Had a good long weekend last week. It was fantastic. We went up to Ballarat and I thank the Lord for a wonderful time there. It is good sometimes just to break away for a couple of days. Come back refreshed, renewed. This is what God made. He made the whole world. And it's there for us to enjoy in the right way and to give Him glory and honour and praise. It makes so much more sense when you are saved, isn't it? When you're a child of God. You enjoy it so much more. So better. So wonderful. My prayer is this morning that uh, the Lord will speak to you. We're going to continue looking at Jesus. And this is, this is our theme now for the last, how, how long is it? Five, six weeks. I think we're in Christology past five. I don't count. Uh, but it's important for us to know Jesus more. I find it the more I listen these days at sermons, they preach about all other things, but not about Christ. Assured there's a generation that's going lost because they do not know Jesus. They do not know Him. And we're going to continue today and look at Jesus. We are going through the book of John. We're studying through it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, but this is still part of the introduction. It's been going on for five weeks. I believe it's a different introduction that you had, but praise the Lord. You know what I thought during the week? I thought, doesn't matter whether it goes slow, I want to lay the foundation right. That once we go through and we read all about the miracles taking place in the book of John, that we know what we're talking about. And as you go through those passages, that you know who you are reading about, and that is Jesus. What a wonderful name. I want to talk to you today about what is in a name, part one. <laughs> what is in a name? Is a name important? And of course a name is important. How would I know you if I didn't know your name? But we will see today, as we're going to look at the name of Jesus, some characteristics comes out of names. And we find a lot of names for God, for the Father and for Jesus in the Word of God. So today I want to start looking at this and remind you why we are studying the book of John and what the book of John is all about. Now this is a verse which I've brought in front of you for over four weeks now, but I'm going to go back to it because this is the key to the book of John. If you want to understand the Gospel according to John, this is the key that will open it up for you. This tells you why he wrote the gospel. Or in fact, let me correct myself, why the Holy Spirit inspired John to write the gospel. Because it's not only his thoughts, it was inspired by God. It says in John chapter 20 verse 30, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. Many other. Which are not written in this book. John is only telling us that if we have to write every single thing down that Jesus did, we're going to have a book this big. No, no. Bigger than that. I don't think there's a library in the world which will hold every single thing of what Jesus Christ did. So he says, that's not written in this. But, sharp contrast, these things are written. What things, John? The things which is in the Gospel of John and which you've got in your hands. The Word of God. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. 
Now listen to this. The Son of God. The Son of God. And that believing you may have life in His name. What is the purpose? If you put it down to two words or just a phrase, what is the purpose of all of this? These words over here, that you may have life. And that's eternal life he's talking about there. You know, we live in this world and we can go up to 80 and I hear people getting up to 100 years old here in Australia, which is good, good living circumstances. I've heard about somebody's birthday is going to be 104 years old. But after that, what then? It's for you and for me critically important that you know you have eternal life. This is really the the most important thing that you need to find within your 104 years on this earth. And a lot of us won't reach 104. But let's bring it down to 80. Within 80 years, it is critically important for you to understand and to find the eternal life. And you can only find it in one person, Jesus Christ. He says it himself. Look at this when he, when he writes in John chapter 17, verse 3. He says... And this is eternal life. This is eternal life. What? That they may know you. That they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This was the words of Jesus himself. He prayed these words to the Father. And when he prayed to the Father, he says, Father, this is eternal life. You see, he says, all these things have been written that you may have life. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. In fact, there's a verse that comes up in my mind. Let's go to Jeremiah quickly. It's not on the board, so I want you to have a look in your Bibles. Jeremiah chapter 9, in verse 23. You've got it there? He says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. What do you find these days when people get wise? Oh, you know, I'm the man. I've got wisdom. And they want to write it all over the newspapers and tell you how wise this man is. I mean, isn't the Dalai Lama one of those? They all fall down before him and you know what they say he is? They say, oh, he's a wise man. And here the Bible says something. He says, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Wow, I love it. Thank you. He says, let not the mighty man glory in his might. Isn't that what the world do these days? If somebody becomes mighty, what, what do they do? It's on the front news. And then he goes on, he says, Let not the rich man glory in his riches. And people like to do that. Oh, you know, I drive a smarter car than you. And I've got this and you haven't got that. Man, I'm not only pointing towards Donald Trump, it's your friends as well, it's your family members. If they've got a little bit of moolah or dough, what do they go? Woo, look at me. Hey, I'm shining. Yet the Bible says, let them not glory in wisdom, in mightiness, or in riches. Then you see that word there, but, what does it mean? Sharp contrast. Let him who glories, glory in this, in what? That he understands and knows me. 
that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. I think I'm in good company if I don't glory in all of these other things, but glory in the Lord. Yes? So John chapter 17 verse 3, Jesus says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus whom you've sent. I like it when Daniel says the following, in Daniel chapter 11 verse 32. He says, But the people who know their God shall be strong. Do you want to be strong? Know your God. Know your God. That gives you strength. And carry out great exploits. Do you want to carry out great exploits? Know your God. Let me just tell you this this morning, friend. In your workplace, if you want to climb that ladder, that corporate ladder, give it over to God. Know Him and He will make you to have great exploits. Why? For the people who know their God. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. So this chapter, in short, is to confirm our faith in Christ as the eternal Son of God and the true Messiah and the Savior of the world. And that we may be brought to receive Him and rely upon Him as our prophet, as our priest, and as our king, and to give ourselves up to Him. Is that what you want to do? And to be ruled and to be taught and to be saved by Him. In this first chapter we're going to study and have a look at the names that John uses for Jesus. Now a person's name signifies a few things. It signifies the worth of a person. You can think about some people and you think if you hear the name you'd think of their worth. Uh, you can, a name signifies somebody's character. It also signifies the reputation of somebody. It signifies authority. Some people in your workplace, you know, Joe has got the authority. When you hear his name, that signifies that. And the will and the ownership. So a name wasn't just a tool which they used in the Hebrew times to give somebody a name. But it was something, if they give somebody a name in the Hebrew times, it was as equivalent to that person himself. So if you, if you name that person, if you say Moses, that's the person. It was who he was in his character, in his will and everything. And it's important to know this as we're going to study the names. He says in Revelation chapter 3 verse 4, you have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments. These people known by names. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So these people's names in Sardis, as they are mentioned before Christ, they were worthy. The names are worthy. In Proverbs chapter 18 verse 10, he says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. We sing that song, don't we? No, it doesn't mean that there's a physical tower there. No, the name of the Lord is like a strong tower. That is who He is. He is a strong tower. Psalm 18 verse 49, Therefore I will give thanks to you, O Lord, amongst the Gentiles, and sing praises to your name. You see, the name of the Lord is important. It carries with its strength. 
Psalm 82 verse 12, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. The name of the Lord is important. I'm going to repeat it. Malachi chapter 3 verse 16, he says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate upon his name. If you want to know somebody, you start off by their name. You start off understanding who they are. And if you look at a person and you look at the name, you can see the characteristics growing to that name. I mean, Sergei's got a beautiful boy, he's called Andre. And I bet you every single month and every year that name will become one to that child. The characteristics of that child will be known by that name. It's the same with everybody in here. There is significance in the name. And this is how we start to know God and we start to know Christ. Through the name. Study His names. So to these Hebrews people, it was not only a label. When they gave names to their children, they had a meaning to that. In the first chapter of John, there is seven names used for Jesus Christ. Only in the first chapter. So I want you to take your Bibles now, because I'm going to get you to underline it. I want you to open up in John chapter 1, verse 1. If you've got a pen and if you've got your own Bible there, please do this. It's going to help you. Go to John chapter 1, verse 1. He says, In the beginning was the Word. Circle or underline the Word. That is a name for Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 4. He says, in him was life, and the life was the light, and the line or circle the light. Look at verse 49. You remember when Nathaniel came to him, and he spoke to Nathaniel, and he said, Nathaniel, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. And then in verse 49, Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, and the line or circle the Son of God. And while you are there, he says, you are the king of Israel, and the line of circle, the king of Israel. Now look at verse 29, we go back a bit. He says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God. Circle or underline the Lamb of God. Look at verse 41. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. The Messiah and the line it or circle it, which is translated the Christ. And look at verse 51. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Circle or underline the Son of Man. Now, Son of Man is one of the titles that Jesus Christ used for Himself more than any other titles. More than any other. And we'll come to that part. So today, let's have a look at the first one, the Word. The Word. John chapter 1 verse 1. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him nothing was made, that was made. 
Verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. Now a couple of weeks ago, we unpacked this whole thing about the Word. You remember when I said that the Word is Logos in Greek? but that the Word also showed us that it was existence, the existent One revealed unto us. The Word there points towards Jesus Christ. It's a capital letter Word. But today I want to unpack the Word as a title for you. Because first of all we see that He is the complete Word. The complete Word. If I use words, words are made out of thoughts. Thoughts in my head. Thoughts in my heart. And when I want to speak to you, I, I form the thoughts in my mind and I put it to my words and it comes out. It's a communication between us. Revelation chapter 1, he says in verse 11, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. The Alpha is the first letter of the Hebrew al- alphabet and Omega is the last one. He is the complete word. He's the beginning and the end. What he says stands. Somebody might come to you and say it's bad news. If he says it's good news, then it's good news. Who are you going to believe? When I read, in the beginning was the Word, my understanding of that now is that he is complete. I don't need another Word. I only need him. Not only is he the complete Word, he's also the revealed Word. He says it himself in John chapter 14, verse 17. He says, if you had known me you would have known my Father also. You know there's one theme in the book of John that I find coming up so often? It's the word known. Have you noticed? And this is what this Gospel is about, is to know Him. But he says it here, he says, if you have known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know Him. And I've seen Him. And Philip said to him, Lord, Show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, I've been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip. You have seen me, have seen the Father. So how could you say, show us the Father? He's revealed the Father unto us. He's also the creative word. In Colossians chapter 1.16, he says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Psalm 33 verse 9, For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Just let that sink in for a minute. He spoke and it was done. Let me show you one place where he spoke. Turn with me back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1. That's easy to find. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You see that word created there? That comes from a Hebrew word bara. It means to call something into existence out of nothing. Nothing. So, before this world was, there was nothing. Before this whole universe was, there was nothing. And out of that, it says in the beginning, God created. He barah. And He called. He called into existence the heavens and the earth. The Big Bang didn't happen. 
it's not a lot of things billions of years ago. Please, when your children, when they say these things, correct it on the spot. I do it with Sharia, I do it with the boys as well. When somebody comes out and they say millions and millions of years ago, what do I say? Rubbish. It's not millions and billions of years ago. Oh, look at that waterfall. It was formed a million years ago. No, 6,000 years there was a flood. It happened in the flood. We have to tell our children. You see here, he called it into existence. And you say, how? He says, the earth was formed without form, void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said. You see that? Psalm 33 verse 9 says, He spoke and it was done. It says, and He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. He is the creative word. He is the creative logos. He creates. Not only is He that, but He's also the sustainable word. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 5, He says, For they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water, but the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. What is preserved currently? The earth is preserved by the word of God. So where is El Gore with his global warming? Come on, these things is in our newspapers day to day. Oh, the world is going to be destroyed by omissions. I don't need an, 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 a scientist to come and tell me that nonsense. I've got the Word of God. And it says that it's going to be preserved. And listen to this. The heat is coming. It is getting warmer. And I know why. Because the Bible says everything is going to burn. No more floods. It's going to burn. So there is a fire coming. Bigger as the fires you've ever seen. There's so many worries about the world. You know, ISIS this and ISIS that. And we, we focus on the wrong things instead of focusing on God and on Christ. Yes, I know there's a problem. And yes, it needs to be addressed. And yes, the people. But my work here is to preach the gospel. To preach Christ to a lost world. Because He is not only a creative word, He's also a sustainable word. He knows what's going on in your life. God is actively involved in your life every single minute of the day. It's only if you allow Him. That's the thing. So He's the sustainable word. He is also the word of grace and truth. He is the word of grace and and of truth. You need grace. You need truth. John 1 verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelled amongst us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. You want the truth? Don't look at me for the truth. Look at the Word. Look at Christ. Study Him. John chapter 1, 17, he says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
grace and truth came through him. The law was given through Moses. But the law was only a shadow of the, of, of the truth. The law was pointing towards Jesus Christ. But then also, he is the word of judgment. Revelation chapter 19 verse 13, he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And let, let, let it be known, the same word of grace and truth will also be the word of judgment. Because God loves people but he hates sin and sin needs to be judged. And it's going to be judged through him. Through him. And then, he's also, the word is also the last word to mankind. Now, I want you to listen very carefully what I'm going to say now. Because there's a lot of error going on in the world today. You get people standing up and all of a sudden they prophesy over you new things. New revelations. Thus says God and they prophesy and they bring these things. And I always sit there and I go, should we now put it in the Bible or not? Friends, if we have to put every single thing people stand up and say, and and so, you know, thus says the Lord and it's not Scripture, if we have to put it into the Bible, the Bible will be that big, thick. I met a man once and uh, they've got prophets. When they speak, man, that's the Word of God. That's the authority of God. And how can you go against that? And they hear and they listen to these prophecies and they write them in a book. And they've got a big book by now. And you know what they do? They study the book and they threw out the Word of God. And I say to your error, and I look at lives, and I look at lives these people touch, and the lives are broken, yet the broken Word of God heals the broken heart. And here it is. He is the last word to mankind. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1, he says, God who at various times and various ways spoke in the times past to the fathers by the prophets. Wait a minute. When did this happen? In the times past to the fathers. Jesus said, I am the completion of the prophecy. He is the prophecy. He completed it. He said, do you still believe in prophecy if it's in the word of God? Yes. Stand on the Word of God. He is the last word to mankind, Jesus. He says it there. He has these last days spoken to us, what? By His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom all He made the worlds. Friend, prophecy is only revealing what is already in here. If it's not backed by Scripture, it is not from God. He's the last word to mankind. No extra revelation. No extra words. If it's not backed by Scripture, it's only words. Man's ideas. And I warn it, and I've warned all the time, and I'm still going to continue warning. Watch out for people pulling you aside and say, oh, I've got a personal word from the Lord for you. Watch out. Because my Bible says that He is the Word. The Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. When the Word speaks, I listen. But when there's other words, small letter, then I test it by the capital letter Word. And guess what? If the capital letter Word doesn't substantiate that, then it is all just man's words. If you go by that, you'll be safe. 
You see, I say to everybody, my work here is not to connect you to me. It's not to make you a follower of me. I'm just a signpost pointing you to Christ, to God. So you, it's amazing sometimes when people hang on to preachers and they, ooh, they, if the man walks, they fall down and they can touch the place. You know, I've, I've heard this one man once preach. He said, whenever he preached, in Indonesia, when he gets out of the bed, people want to go and lie in his spot to get some of the anointing. I go, where is it in the Word of God? It's not there. If it's not substantiated by the Word of God, it's just words. He is the last word to mankind. You say, but wait a minute. How can he talk to me in 2016? I want to suggest you open up your Bible and see. Because the Holy Spirit will open it up to you. Is there new things? Oh yes, there is. Oh yes, there's a lot of new things. As I study the Word of God, I find a lot of new things. And I go, wow, I've never seen that. Is it new? No, it's only revealed, uh, uh, concealed. And the Holy Spirit reveals it to me. When I got saved when I was young, look, there's a lot of things which I couldn't handle, which now I can handle. And God knows that. So as you grow in your path, He opens it up for you. Now let's go on to the light. The second title that is used for Him, or the, uh, the word for Him, or name for Him, is the light. Let's look at John chapter 1 verse 4. He says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God, his name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. Oh, there you go. They did not know him again. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You see, Jesus Christ is the light God's first creative act in Genesis was producing light. He called the heavens, uh, uh, heavens and the earth, and what did he do? And there was light. He said, let there be light. Now, Jesus is the true light. Can you see, it doesn't say he was a light. It doesn't say, and there was life, and he says, the witness of a light. He was the light. That means from Him light comes. He wasn't just reflecting light. The light shone from Him. From out of Him. And you see, the thing about light is really interesting. It draws, isn't it? We, in Sovereign Hill, we went down into the mine and the first tram we got onto, they said it's going to be pitch dark. And I don't know if you've been in a pitch dark, but this was it. So the first, I think it's three minutes or even a minute... We went into the darkness. And you see the thing about darkness, you lose a lot of things. I've learned this in the army. You lose things, you lose time, you lose, you feel as if everything is pushing down on you. So we went into the tram and as we'd gone through, it was absolutely dark. You couldn't see anything. Pitch, pitch dark. 
And there we sit. And, and I think it was a half a minute, but it felt like five minutes. You lose sense of time. You lose sense of direction. You lose sense of sense. Some people get really crazy about it. But you know the nice thing about it was? After that half a minute or a minute, what's the nice thing to see? A beam of light. And everybody, if you sit in darkness and you see a beam of light, doesn't matter where it is, what happens? You are drawn to it. You are pulled to it. And this is what Christ is. He came into a darkened world and He pulled into Him. You see, darkness in the Bible is generally represent misery, ignorance or guilt. That is what it represents in the Bible. Misery. Ignorance and guilt. Misery, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. As when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. This was way back in the book of Isaiah. It was a prophecy. And it's a fantastic prophecy. Because if you unpack it and you, and you meditate upon the prophecy, you see it talks about people who are in distress. You see, darkness, dear friends, brings distress. We were born like that. In darkness. In misery. And we needed a light. And He was the true light. Now see here, it says in the Jordan of Galilee, I find it so fascinating that you read through the book, the Bible, from Genesis, right up to the end, and all, a lot of those things happened in a small space of land, of real estate. And here is a similar thing. He says these people who are sitting in Galilee, they walked in darkness, but they've seen a great light. Now when... Isaiah prophesied, most probably, he didn't have Christ in his mind. But he had in his mind, getting out of misery, out of captivity, getting out of oppression, a new age has dawned upon him like a light. When he wrote that down, most probably, that is what he had in mind, and the Holy Spirit inspired him to write that down. But you see, this is the great thing about the Word of God. If we fast forward now, to Matthew chapter 4 verse 12, we see that this prophecy has been fulfilled. Look at this now in verse 12. He says, Now when Jesus heard that John had been in prison, he departed to where? To Galilee. See, to Galilee? Look, in Isaiah, years before that, they were in Galilee. And where were they sitting? In darkness. And here we find him going to Galilee in Matthew 4. Leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. That's the same place. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan of Galilee, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light upon those who sat in the region, the shadow of death, the light has dawned. 
You say, wow, what does it mean to me? Friend, you and I were in darkness. We were in that dark place until the light of Christ shone. This is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Christ was the true light. He is the light. Darkness, which is represented by misery in the Bible, represents misery. Christ shines into misery. You might sit here and think, you know what, maybe not today, but I get so many times where I go into this, into this phase of a misery. Know this, Jesus Christ is the light who can shine into that. Not only that, in ignorance... He's the light that shines in ignorance. Acts 26, 17. He says, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles. Speaking here to, to Paul on the road, uh, Paul refers back to Damascus, the road of Damascus. He says, to whom I now send you to open the eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan of God that they may receive forgiveness of sin and an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. He says, Paul, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles and to the Jews, uh, to the Gentile people to open their eyes, to turn from darkness to light because they were ignorant. They were ignorant. But you know what, dear friends? Ignorance is no excuse anymore these days. It's written in the Bible. All the answers are there. Acts 17.30 Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked. But now commands all men everywhere to repent because He has appointed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by whom? By the true light. By the man whom He has ordained. He's given assurance of this by raising Him from the dead. So He's the light in misery, he's the light in ignorance, and he's also the light in guilt. What does sin make you feel? Guilt. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children in the light. Romans thirteen twelve. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Friends, we can go on about this. So this morning is the Word, He's the light, and let me now finish off and say that He is, He is the Son of God. The Son of God. I like this title. Because you know, dear friends, Jesus Himself, He says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. The Son the only begotten Son. It's the first time in the Gospels, the first time that this word Son is used as a title for Jesus. The Son. And it's used with the name the only begotten. He's the only begotten Son, but He is God's Son. The Son of God. It means He's unique the only one of its kind. That word they begotten. There's no one like him. And it's the first time this word is used as his title. Now look at John chapter 1 verse 49. Nathaniel says to him, he says to him, Rabbi. And when he says Rabbi, he acknowledges his prophetic office. He says, Rabbi, as a teacher, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. You know, there's one thing that I find really interesting. 
people don't want to have this title for Jesus as the Son of God. The Mormon, the, the Jehovah Witnesses don't, don't say this. The Jehovah Witnesses say, no, he's, he's a Son of God. He's not the Son of God. The Muslims say he's a prophet. And they will also say he's a son of God, but not the son of God. But it's fascinating to me that the demons will cry out to him. You see, son of God declares his divine nature. In Psalm 2 verse 7 he says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. That's his divine nature, the son of God. The demons cried out. In Mark chapter 3 verse 11, And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. Yet the Muslims don't say that. The Jehovah Witnesses don't say that. And there's a lot of people who don't believe that. Jesus is the Son of God. Luke chapter 4.41, he says, And the demons also came out, many crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now this is a revealing thing, and I'll end, end with this today. The revealing thing about the Son of God is you cannot be saved if you do not believe this. Remember why he wrote this Gospel? That by believing that, that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you have eternal life. In John chapter 8, 24, it says, Therefore I say to you that you will die in your sin, for if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sin. What a terrible scripture this. If you do not believe in the Son of God, that He is the Son of God. So three this morning, the Word... The light, the Son of God. Now next week I want to continue and finish off as part two, the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the King of Israel and the Son of God. And do some work around why He was called the Lamb of God. And what is that applicable to us? Why is He the Messiah and the King of Israel and the Son of Man? Praise the Lord. Let's pray.